Welcome to the Good Talent Podcast. My name's Tony Nichols, the CEO and founder of Good Talent Media. We're a team of ex-journos and we help organizations get their messages across. Now, why journalism for me and my team? I'm joined by a couple of key team members today, Caroline Fleming and John Sullivan. Welcome aboard, guys. Hello. It's great to be together, finally, oh, in a sound, podcast. You sound like that was a nervous response. <laughs> no, I'm loving it. I'm loving it, yeah. <laughs> finally in the podcast chair with Caro and D. Sullivan. Got it. Mm. Cool. Hey, Caro, you're a journal out of New Zealand. We've got the Welshman here from the BBC. Why journalism? My journalism journey probably started when I was about 12 years old. My mother told me I asked far too many questions and I was too intrigued by everything. <laughs> so I always had a follow-up question. I was always, you know, in it. And I guess my mother said to me, oh, you'll be a journalist one day or you'll be asking the tough questions one day. And I guess that kind of sticks with you. So I think it started pretty young, always pretty interested. And I've also got that classic girl thing where I'm obsessed with serial killer documentaries and things. So, you know, got to get into the nitty and gritty of it all. <laughs> it's as good as reason as any, Carol. <laughs> when did you get bitten by the bug? Because it is a, like, it's a bit of a vocation, isn't it? It's a passion. It's not a normal job. When did it touch you, John? I think um, it was it was much later for me. I think I've always consumed media. I've always loved, you know, whether it's popular culture, films, radio, sport, newspapers. I've loved it all. Um, when I was in university, I met a guy that was studying PR, ironically. And he he said, oh, do you know, they, they teach journalism at the Cardiff um, University. And I didn't. And I found out more. And I thought, yeah, well, what a privilege, you know, because the BBC is such a part of British culture and life. Certainly was back then. And um, it always felt unattainable for me, like literally out of reach. I thought, I've never got a pathway into that. Like, how does anyone get into that? Anyway, I, I managed to, to get on board the course. And it was fantastic because like Caroline said, it sort of fuels, I've got a natural um, inquisitive nature. I love to know more. I love to ask questions of smart people. I try and copy some of the things they do. I want to learn, you know, all the time. You know what I mean? And journalism gave me sort of a window into that and an access to um, a group of people I wouldn't ordinarily get to meet. So that was what drove me, Tony. But um, what about yourself? Tell us your story. Oh, glad you asked. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I remember starting driving. So I get the license and I'm in the car by myself and I've got the radio on and I heard news. Like I sort of engaged with news for the first time and there's this, you know, big male voice and there, there was this sting intro to the news and then there was these voices from all over the world and all over the country and grabs and I, it was like, wow, like it blew me. I actually remember I was Wyndham Road, Cannon Hill. Remember where I was driving? That's pretty awesome. And I remember had my head in this radio, thinking, "I got to do that." Mm. I, I I was really fascinated by this whole thing, how it happened, and so then I jumped from my business degree, which I was hating, over into so journalism electives and postgrad journalism. And I remember actually being at uni, looking at the journalism lecture hall, thinking, "Gee." They're better looking people. <laughs> that looks much more interesting than me. I ended up over there. And yeah, yeah. So the rest, rest is history. Never yeah. looked back. It's been yeah, a good yeah. thing. Yeah. Had a bit of a crack. So then I guess what on that journey, Caro, did you get into regional journalism to get started? No, so I actually, <laughs> something to go a bit further in and again goes to my young girl nature, as I was actually doing a gap year in England and I'd gone to England thinking, oh, maybe I'll give something like marketing a crack. I, I like the idea of journalism, but all my friends are doing that, so I'll give it a go. And I was actually living in England and I was watching radio interviews and radio people, you know, didn't look much older than me, were interviewing people like Justin Bieber or the big stars and thinking, oh, what? Like, what a way to do it. So I actually got some connections and started out in radio. 
realized pretty quickly, like promo girl's fun, but you know, actually watching people in front and, and covering hard stories, I liked a lot more. So went into radio journalism and then, then made a move to TV journalism and then actually had an amazing sort of encounter with a bit of an icon in New Zealand who's a big Top Gun journalist over there. And he said to me, Caroline, you need to go and cut your teeth in regional journalism. They're going to throw you into every story under the sun because they're under-resourced. So I did exactly that, went and worked in regional journalism, interviewed the prime minister, covered murder trials, was a court reporter, all of that jazz. So yeah, absolutely jumped into all little levels of it that I could. (laughs) Galvanized in the toughest spots, Karen, definitely, yeah. yeah. Who was the high profile journo? John Campbell, and it might not ring a bell to, I guess, Australians or others who might not be, but I think any New Zealander who hears that goes, oh, John Campbell had his own seven o'clock show and was just a bit of a legend among, among the people. But how's the work over in Wales, John, to make a start? Yeah, look, um, the course I did, is it gives you a placement um, at some of these uh, media institutions, um, you know, within Wales at the time. I was fortunate I got placed at the BBC there and I just worked on a programme called uh, Good Morning Wales. It was like a national radio news show. It was just a researcher. But I love the fact that, you know, they had numbers for people like the sort of Prime Minister's office or, you know, some of these top people and you're ringing them up and you're trying to persuade them to be a guest on the show. And I started to learn the subtle art of sort of production and how you make, you know, radio sound good and how you balance people's views and opinions and, you know, how you might play clips in or audio to tee up a piece of radio or the power of radio. You know, you can hear waterfalls or, you know, crunchy noises, just things like that. I just started to get really into it, you know. I learned so much just being a researcher on that program and you're working with top presenters, Tony, you know, who have gone on the journey themselves. And what I found very generous about the BBC was the people are really happy to share their their wisdom and their knowledge and help you improve. And I definitely felt really insecure, like a bit of an imposter, sort of thinking, you know, this I'm not I'm not I'm not worthy to be here yet. It took time to you know get the confidence and find your own peers in your place. But I loved it. It was a it was a it was a great journey. And um, you know, from there you just sort of progress, you progress up a bit. But what about yourself? Where where did you first sort of surface it was in that world? I remember knocking off the study and running around interviewing politicians with my little, you know, hand, handheld device, Bob Brown, when he was like the Greens leader. I remember interviewing him. And then I was the opposition state liberal leader and interviewing him for my, you know, assignment. And he, you know, being a very sort of strategic, sort of calculating guy, he said, well, he wanted to know when I was finishing the course, how many people were in the course. And he said, well, why don't you just start looking for a job now? Because if you wait till the end, you're going to be competing against all these people. I'd never thought of it like that. So he's basically said, just start applying right now. And I did. So that took me to Wagga Wagga. So I was in Melbourne. I ended up in Wagga Wagga. I had my kids on the road. But prior to that, I'd applied probably for almost 12 months, every little regional country radio station in the country with my little showreel mm. audio, you know, reading reading news. I used to read news at Joy FM uh, on a Friday night. And that gave me the... Um, the show, the audio show, but I got rejected right around the country. I'm so thankful. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. If you're listening, Bathurst, you know, I mean, Kalgoorlie, all these radio stations are all over the country. Thank God they all said no, but Wagga Wagga said yes. And I'd almost, I almost gave up actually. Almost like it would have been hundreds of show reels and applications, but Wagga Wagga said, uh, Star FM Wagga Wagga, Macquarie Regional Radio Network said yes. And I was in the car like I'd moved. That was it. Four mm. weeks time I was there. And that, and then it was. Then I went for it from there. I guess you appreciate it so much when you've gone on that journey, you know, because like you say, no one wants to be rejected, and that's tough. And you could easily think, oh, I'm just going to give up, or it's not right for me. But to mm. persevere and get it is a great feeling. Yeah, I got there, and then being someone with a long memory, I remember 
I don't know how oh, how many years after I would I stayed in touch with everyone who rejected me. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. How did that go? And I would send them an email every year updating them. Oh, it's really good here at Parliament House Network 10. I hope you're well. Did they ever respond with yeah, like, yeah, I, get, I get responses. <laughs> but there's an insight into me that really fueled me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mildly <Yeah>. predictive. <laughs> Look at me now. Yeah. Well, Oh, no. Oh, no. That's brilliant. All right. Edit it out. Brad, we edit? No, no, leave it in. <laughs> definitely, definitely keep it in. Keep yeah. it in. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to those people again. <laughs> Here I am on a yeah. podcast. But Caro, fast forward to sort of TV New Zealand. That's a, what an incredible achievement. Yeah. No, TV, TVNZ was amazing. But that was actually my middle jumping block. And you guys have probably seen it in TV newsrooms as well. I was trying to explain this to someone the other day. You know, you start as the baby fish. And then they do a surge and everyone sort of gets promoted at once. And then you, then people are sitting on the desk or assignment desk yeah. for two to three years. And I kind of had that thing. I've been on the desk for about 10 months and doing producing on breakfast shows and helping with various bits and bobs and just thought, oh, I want to do more. I want to go and really, really cut my teeth. So, yeah, yeah I truthfully, and if anyone's listening who's, who is actually a journalist at this point or is looking at it, has a kid who's looking at it, Go to regional journalism. I mean, you're speaking about Wagga Wagga. You know, I, I was in the regional parts of New Zealand and wow, the stories you get to cover because the resale thing is so bad. <laughs> they throw a kid into it. It's great. I think it's great advice. It's the same in Wales. The people who worked on regional newspapers, they had fantastic experience. And when they came in, I thought they were just really well-rounded journalists mm-hmm. because they built the skill set yeah. because they had to cover those stories. They had to go in those courtrooms and I think it's invaluable. It's a great tip. Yeah. yeah. And, and you do, you get call-ups from the national radio stations to do live crosses because you're the only person in that regional town at this big accident or this big event because I don't have anyone else. So. Yeah. Yeah. You are it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you want to go to that? You don't have much choice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you've worked in these sort of 24-7 furious newsrooms, you're, you're publishing on the minute, you're uh, live crossing on the hour, you've got these ninja sort of uh, on steroids writing skills and communication skills and social media comes along mm. and you're like a duck in water, right? It's as easy as because you've been doing it forever essentially. Yeah, exactly. Well, there's so many transferable skills because it's still storytelling, but it's just using a different medium, isn't it? And in many ways, it's using tools that journalists have always used because journalists have always presented stories in a very uh, multi-platform discipline way. You know, they are capable of going live on radio straight away. They are capable of putting together a TV news package and someone like you, Caro, can write a fantastic article very quickly with with not much lead up time. So I think those skills are always invaluable. Mm-hmm. And if, if you've got them, you're always going to be an effective communicator on any platform. And you make a good point there, like, you know, again, coming back to newsroom restructuring, we lost a lot of photographers and videographers. So from the get-go, they said, you're getting out there, you're videoing every story you're doing, you're doing audio in every story you're doing. That's how they truthfully get their advertising and get revenue is chucking those videos up on the website and on social media. So 100%, it's, it's, you've got to learn it. Multimedia journalist is the... Uh, the tagline now. <laughs> and, the, and the capabilities of people coming after myself when I was in the newsroom, it blew me away because they had that capability. They they knew how to use those different technological things like a camera, like a microphone properly. And, you know, in the old days, you go out with a camera person and a sound person and it would all be done for you. But that was different. And there would be the pressure to come back and then now edit the piece as well. Mm. Whereas in the old days at the BBC, you would have an editor who could sort of help you yeah. sort of source up overlay and stuff. Mm. So I, oh, that transition must be even more acute now. I'm sure the journalists today are under even more pressure. Well, you're editing in the field, aren't you? Mm. On your phone. Yeah. And you're editing for online, you're editing for radio. 
And, and probably for television also. Sending stuff back all the time. I just remember Slack. We would just be sending stuff all the time. Send us every photo you have on the scene because we have to get it up straight away because it's a competition. And it'd be hard for probably the, even a general person, the general public, it is like you're probably like, how did they get that so quickly? And it is just sending, sending, sending. Yeah, yeah. As many things as you can get. And when we started, there wasn't perhaps as many 24-hour outlets, but now that's kind of normal. Yeah. It's everywhere. Oh. So there's so many opportunities for content. And, and as you said, journalists are under pressure to fill that. And we all know the pressure of having bosses and editors that, you know, get the story, get the story right and make sure there's the correct elements in there. And, that, and that's kind of the fire in which journalists burn. Yeah. Is it get the story out or get it right? Like the, there's pressure on both of those things, yeah. isn't there? Some people have different <laughs> philosophies. Some yeah. people just want to get a story out. And some people want to be completely factually accurate. And obviously they're the, the best, the most respected. Mm. It's a diff- there's different standards and different platforms. Yeah, absolutely. Just to wrap it up. So Caro from New Zealand, now working in the Aussie media, essentially, because we're, we're sending the newsrooms here, hundreds of fantastic stories. Well, how do you contrast the two? They're very similar. There's just a lot more in Australia. And that was my thing in sort of getting my head around it, working out what platforms liked what. Again, yeah, New Zealand doesn't have very big of a media landscape. So I think of our stories over here and I go, I know exactly where I'd go, but you'd only have one bite of the apple in New Zealand. It's like, I've got to go here because I don't really have anywhere else as much. Whereas you're a bit spoiled for choice in Australia. There are so many platforms, outlets, um, I guess, different sort of journalists in different places. But I have noticed recently in Australia from sort of looking around as a lot of your like, I guess, hyper, hyper local media has been cut right down. Even since I've been here, I've noticed that a little bit. But yeah, really similar. Just, you know, Australia is the big cousin, so it's expected. (laughs) It's good to see you admitting that. (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell my family. (laughs) And John, compared to the UK? I think media is massive here. I mean, I, I think I never, I never realised uh, for some reason the, the standard here, the the quality of the content, the, the the appetite for the content. There's a huge appetite for media within Australia, and, and in many ways, Australia shaped the world in terms of, of media and consumption and and sort of satellite news and so on. So I think it's been a great place to learn, a very different environment to, to what I was used to, but a great learning opportunity. Why journalism? Some wonderful narratives there, guys. We could have gone on forever. <laughs> I'm not sure our listeners would agree, but it was enjoyable. <laughs> All right. Caroline Fleming, John Sullivan, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Tony. Pleasure.